0: Children, kindergarten through third grade, are welcome to go to children and worship right through that door. And we will uh, jump into our second uh, sermon in this series, um, Have You Ever Wondered About?, Um, which we um, asked you to um, uh, go ask your friends or ask yourself, um, what were some questions you'd want us to explore um, together and so today we are exploring together the question of christianity and race and uh so uh um, and it's it's interesting um, you know the, so the place that we go to look at really address these questions is to the the scriptures we um, you know, together we we believe that uh, the written word you know is this is God's written word and the authority for us and where God has given us what we need to know to, to walk with Him and to follow Him. And so that's where we go in all of these questions. We'll be digging into what does the scripture what does the Scripture say? And when it comes to race, and as we define it today, when that it has to do largely with our skin color, um, that really wasn't a predominant issue in the days that the Bible was written. We really don't find much in the Bible about the particular item of race and as it relates to the color of our skin, the amount of melanin that we have in our in our skin. That there are a variety of ways that the Bible does have how we divide ourselves up into different groups as humans. Um yeah, so you might also think of ethnicity That's not necessarily by the melanin in your skin, but in a sense, where you were born, um, who you were born to, yeah, and, um, or culture, which we'll talk a little more about. Uh, Culture isn't so much defined, um, uh, by where we were born or the the amount of melanin in our skin, but it is defined by how we live, you know, our traditions and customs and food and and music and tools and uh, the things that we do to live, but we'll, Talk about that in a minute, so for me, you know I am um, uh, when it comes to race i don 't have much melanin in my skin, so i 'm white uh, when it comes to my ethnicity. I am uh, um, American because my mom and dad were American, and I was born and born in America, and, and particularly sort of micro ethnicity i 'm Southern American being born and raised in birmingham um, Alabama, and that will come out a little bit later also um, and uh, and, and that also has impact on my culture. And, and we'll see in the scriptures how there are other ways. Also, they're used to, to divide us into different, that we do get divided into different groups, which is not bad or good, but it's actually, it, it is by design. And we'll see that. What we're gonna look at today is, all right, well, how did these things come about? What does the scriptures say about we as humanity have, um, though we are many, though we are different, um, Uh, How did that come about and what does that mean for us today? So that's really what we'll be um, diving into. And one of the interesting things to me is that the first passage we'll look at is in Genesis chapter 1, verse 27 through 31. That that The three things that I'm looking at in this series um, when it comes to sex, which we looked at last week, or um, race today, uh, and then next Sunday about um, uh, women and uh, men and, and sexism... Um, it 's interesting that they all flow from the beginning I mean each of those particular issues those particular questions flow from the very creation um, and uh, in, in some ways could use the same passage for all three of those so but let's let 's pray together uh, gracious God we give you thanks again for your word as it speaks to us of your truth and uh, your living word and your Holy Spirit who applies that to our hearts and to our world um, in which we live. So we we give ourselves to you that we might hear from you, might receive it, and then might uh, live in obedience and help us as a, a community to support and encourage one another to obey you together. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. All right, so um, our first passage is in the creation, the uh, sixth day of creation, starting uh, Genesis chapter 1 with verse uh, um, 27. And we're going to, uh, if you have your Bibles, um, feel free to turn there, or you can follow along on the screen, because we're going to look at a couple, a number of passages here, and we're actually even going to end with a passage in in Revelation at the, the very end. So it's to really give sort of the big picture. So where did this notion of divisions of us, whether it's race or family or clan or um, ethnicity or nation. How how did that come about? All right. So Genesis chapter one, verse twenty seven. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God. He created him male and female. He created them. and to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the heavens, and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has breath of life. I've given every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Alright, so two, two things from this passage. One, we see that all humans come from the same source. Um, where that in, in a sense there is there is never an argument ultimately that my daddy's stronger than your daddy because in the end we all have the same daddy. We all flow from Adam and Eve and therefore of equal value, of equal and estimable value because we are flow from Adam and Eve and we are all created in the image of God. Whether um, no, no matter what groups we find ourselves in, we flow from this same group when it comes to our very essence, and we have this um, same charge here that was given given to Adam and Eve. That's mentioned now. Go, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, you know, and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heaven. Every living thing that moves on the earth. So the command is to steward the world, to go spread out, go make, go, um, be, take into the fullness of creation and make a way of living. Go live among those places that I've given you. That's the command to go in a sense to go and make culture. They wouldn 't use that word then, but we use it now, and it 's the same thing: Go make a way of living, go create the tools you need, go create the community, the languages, the food, the music, um, the, the, the values. Go create them, go and, and find the way in the places of the earth spread out among the earth and among the diversity of the earth, and there will be then you will create different ways that you live. And that's a sign, I mean, that's a gift of God to the wisdom of people and the the vast beauty of God's creation. Alright, and now what what we see in uh, Genesis is a pattern... Regular pattern where God creates and it's good, which we have here, and then um, we humans will, in some way, rebel. We'll will some way it'll become corrupted. We'll misuse it, mistreat it. We'll we'll what we call sin. We'll use it for our own good, and then God will rescue. That's what happens with Adam and Eve here. If you read on, um, you'll see that then they then go their own way, disobey God, and God does eventually. There's consequences, there's judgment, but then he also rescues them and sends them back out into life again. And you see the same thing happening a little bit later, chapters six through nine, where, again, the things are are good after the garden. But then there's corruption, Cain and Abel, murder, other things that happen. And then God says, all right, um, I'll enter in and I'll cleanse this. And he does so with a flood. And so he sends a flood, but he, he brings rescue and renewal through Noah. And Noah's family and building the ark, which they go in the animals then go in by twosies and twosies, you know that song maybe. Um that's, uh, that and that, that's way God's way of rescuing them. But you see this pattern uh, throughout. God creates it's good, then there's sin, and then God rescues or brings renewal, um, brings salvation. Um, and so you see that with Noah. Now, so let's enter into then with Noah um, in chapter nine, verse seven. All right, and this is uh, the flood waters have subsided, and then Noah and his sons and family and all the animals now have ventured out of the uh, the ark. And in nine verse seven, God's speaking to them. And you be fruitful and multiply, increase greatly on the earth, and multiply in it. now, what does that sound like? What God said to Adam and Eve, right so he 's just restating All right now, you same thing that told them, now you go and do that um and uh then what you see in chapter 10 is that they did. All right, so you got Noah who has three sons. Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And then what chapter 10 is called the table of nations. And it tells how um, these three boys, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, then fulfill what God has told them to do. And what you find with Japheth, if you read verses two through five there, what you find out in verse five is that they land, it says for, it gives all the different names, bunch of names that are hard to pronounce, most of them. And then chapter five, verse five says, from these the coastland peoples spread in their lands, each with his own language by their clans in their nations now a couple of things there just notice you know those remember we said at the beginning you know, there's race there's ethnicity there's um, different uh, groupings we have well these are mentioned here they're grouped by language they're grouped by land they're grouped by clan they're grouped by nation and what we find from these folks is that they settle mostly in the coastland okay so that's the family of japheth well, then the second family is the, the, the sons of Ham. Right, so Ham is, again, one of the sons of Noah. We're going to come back to Ham a little bit later, so you can just sort of put that in the back. Um, and then we have Cush and Egypt and Put and Canaan are all the children of Ham. And what we're told, that one of them, Nimrod, in verse 9, becomes a mighty hunter. And we're told also in their lands, they become builders of great cities. And um, and that they were um, clans that were hunters, built cities, and somehow were, were more nomadic, you know, sort of traveling along and living in different places. Then, uh, verse twenty-one, we're told the families of Shem, and that uh, and of Shem's um, uh, lists again a bunch of names and closes in verse thirty-one and thirty-two of chapter. Um, uh, ten. So about Shem it says, these are the sons of Shem by their clans, their languages, their lands and their nations. So he's listed them. And these are the clans of the sons of Noah, according to their genealogy in their nations. And from these, the nations spread abroad on the earth after the flood. Man, so you look at that and you're like, Okay. They're, they're doing what God had said. They're now spread around like they're supposed to be doing. And it actually is interesting. Is And you find this a lot in uh, Hebrew literature. That as you look at all the nations. There are 70 uh, people mentioned here. 70 different nations. And 70 is one of those words of perfection. And so the point that he's making here is. Hey, this is good. This is what they were supposed to do. Build into these different places now think about this with me for a moment So I said one was on the coastlands one was in the city one and then with shem They they sort of handled out, uh, hung out in the mountains now if you're um, From the family of japheth. That means you live on the coastlands. What are you going to need to do to make a life there? fish right Others other things Swim, right? Yeah. Build a boat, maybe. You know, I mean, those kind of things are going to be necessary there. Sunscreen, you're going to need to develop sunscreen. Well, it's very possible that that that's uh, that God did that, provided that over time there. Yeah, scuba diving is a yeah, is, would be a good thing. All right, we'll move on now. And uh, so, you, you now are those going to do you much good? If you're in the mountains, now, unless there's a mountain lake or something like that, not going to do you much good, but there will be other things that you'll need up in the mountains that I'll refrain from asking you, um, what those might be, but there's a whole bunch of things up there that will be very different than what you would need to develop on the coastlands. And then very different if you're building cities and if you're nomadic and this is what God had designed designed humans in God's image with the capacity to create, to make a way of living in a variety of different ways, in the beauty and wonder of His creation. That, that was what He told, now go, spread out, multiply, subdue the earth, do what you need to do to make a way of living there. You, you have the capacity within my image to create. A way of life. And it will be very different as you go to those different places. Because it will depend on the context and what is needed. And that's the the beauty of God's creation. That we see lived out, presented to us in chapter 10. Uh, Now... um, so again, what we see from that is, is how then the different cultures that are developed, the, the different races that may develop there as we would define race, the different ethnicities and all the rest, they will be different because of all the different things that are needed wherever you, whatever your context. But they're, they're not wrong and right, they're different. And they are, as we'll see, they are right in their each unique way as they live the call and charge and command of their creator and where each one of those different ways of making a life will be different is where they stray from the purpose of serving and loving and glorifying the one who created them and who made them and that's what happens next chapter 11 Remember I told you this, the, the basic formula, the basic theme of things. You know, God creates, and it's good, and then we fall, we rebel, and then God rescues. All right, well now, so things are good at the end of 10. Now we pick up chapter 11, which is the Tower of Babel. And it's going to be a little confusing for many of us. It is for me. I'm definitely, my culture and background is things go chronology, you know, chronologically, in order. You know, one, two, three, four. I want to know what happened first, first, second, second, and third, third. You know, you sort of get me there. That's not how a lot of, some of the Bible's written. And it wasn't necessarily one of the, the ways they did it there. And so what you find here is sort of one big picture that's thematic. You know, here's the things that are, that are good, fulfilling God. And now we're going to, in a sense, either start back at that beginning place or maybe even earlier and tell a different story that has a different theme to it. And that's what the Tower of Babel is. So now, chapter 11, starting with verse 1. Now the whole earth had one language and the same words. It's like, wait a minute. Didn't you just get through telling me that all these different people spread out and their different languages were formed, even under each sun and in different places? Yes, I did. But you see, that's why it's not chronological, but thematic in what uh, he's saying. So as the people migrated from the east, is verse 2, they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. And they said to one another, come. Let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly, and they had brick for stone and bitumen for mortar now again that 's how they made um, made culture, they made a way of life, the tools that they needed because this is uh, of uh, the, the the city dwellers um, of the, uh, the 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 families of, of Ham and so they were city and they needed to make bricks you know if you're on the coastland you didn't need as many bricks they didn't float very well you know so but here they they needed them to make in terms of the, making the cities then they said and then then things really go downhill here verse four then they said come let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens. And let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. Ooh. A Couple things there, that maybe you noticed. One, who are they focusing on? You know, it's let us, for us, there's no mention of the Creator here, of, of taking the, the, the gifts they've been given and creating what they were doing uh, for the, the glory of their Creator, but for themselves. And what were they concerned about? Lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. The very thing God had, had charged them to do. Hey, you guys, now, here are the gifts. Go, make a life for yourself. Spread out. Be dispersed. Be dispersed. Was the very thing they were trying to avoid. So then, the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of man had built. Now you gotta like this one. I mean, cause what were the people saying? Hey, we're gonna build this giant tower, right? This is going to be huge and we're, we're going to gather around. And that's going to be our unifying thing and we will be protected and guarded. We will be here together as one for us. Isn't this great? And then what does the writer say? And God said, I need to go down there and see what they're building. They're building something. And he gets down. Oh, there it is. Yeah, and, and to say you, what we think we're building is so big and yet to the eyes of God, it is just minuscule. And then God brings His uh, correction to them. And the Lord said, behold, they are one people. the language of all the earth. And from there, the Lord dispersed them over the face of all the earth. So in the end, what happens? The very thing God charged them to do. What they were scared of doing, what God had created them to do, He now says, now go and, I'm going to make you go and do that. Go and disperse. It's So we see here, the early presentation of a birds of a feather flock together that we want to stay together often for our own protection you know for our own glory for our own desire versus hearing god's call to say no go disperse go be out there risk go to the different places and the different ways that i've gifted you and create ways of living that bring glory to me that fulfilled the flourishing command that you've been given versus making the world for yourself and this that tendency has shown itself in us over and over and over again as, as human beings and even though we've been dispersed, we still like to come together regularly according to our groupings, however we might group ourselves. And instead of seeing the beauty of God's creation in the variation and diversity of how humans have created different ways of living in different contexts, in different places, we instead want to, often throughout history, we uplift one over the others. Instead of saying how each one is beautiful in its own right, and also wrong in its own right. That each each one of the different cultures and ethnicities and the different ways that we divide one another, whether it's um, race or clan or family or grouping, we can tend to fall into the sin of Babel. And say, we... We need to do this for ourselves instead of doing it for the glory of God and recognizing his beauty all around. So, uh, I said in the, the beginning yeah, that really, biblically, the notion of race that we use isn't very common there. Um, but in our history, human history, we have made it more and more um, prominent. And so I want to take just a little deep dive here in one particular way that in history we humans have misinterpreted um, God's Word in the arena of race. Um, And particularly as race relates to color of skin. And that is actually found in the end of chapter 9 of Genesis. So after the... um, Flood subsides and Noah comes out. You know, we read that. God says, now go out, multiply again. And right before the table of nations of the three sons. All right. And this is particular. this is called in history, the curse of Ham. Uh, And it has nothing to do with what you may have had for Easter lunch. You know, Ham, again, is one of the sons of Noah. And this is an interesting way that we insert our notions of race into the Bible that really aren't there. Um, And what happened in in this uh, particular story is Ham, who, like I said, is the father of of Canaan and a bunch of other sons, um, he sees Noah naked. Now, let me translate that for you that come from my homeland, naked. Okay? Uh, Ham sees his father Noah naked. And that, that's the way you're supposed to pronounce that word. And he's judged accordingly. And when Noah finds out, he then curses Canaan, who was Ham's son, and says that Canaan will now always be a servant. He will always be a slave. Now, if you know the biblical story and where this sort of goes, um, eventually, you know, there's a people called Israel. And they're the ones that God is going, and we'll get to this in a little bit. And Israel is going to have a promised land. And in that promised land were people, and they were called Canaanites. So, this is foreshadowing of that um, action when Israel moves into Canaanites and takes them as servants and, and destroys them, makes them the, the promised land. But what happened in the, around the 7th and 8th century um, was, uh, and this is actually, um, the earliest we can find it, is in Islamic literature. Um, uh, that they looked at this passage and said, you know, ham, that word is really close to the Egyptian word uh, for Black. And so now this is the eighth century. The problem is, it's nowhere near what the Egyptian word for black looked like in when this was written, and when this was read. Um, it, that so, but it was used in that that term in in the seventh uh, and eighth century by Islamic slave traders. Yeah, you know, it was in those days that the Ottoman Empire, I know I'm really taxing some memories here of of uh of world history. But the Ottoman Empire, uh Islamic Ottoman Empire was taking over the world. They were colonizing the world um, in those days and they went into uh places where there were um, uh black populations and they took them over and enslaved them. And so then they came back and looked at this saw ham and black and they didn't 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 give much thought to well but he's cursing canaan um but didn't matter because they could really use this interpretation for their business as slave traders and as they came into black areas of the world they could then take this on So this is why they're slaves you see they've been cursed to be slaves since the days of noah um well and then that's uh Fast forward a couple, several hundred years, and in terms of Western Europe and the doctrine of discovery, when they were then the ones colonizing the world, they say, hey, this this is understanding as to why when we go into other parts of the world and we see primitives there of different colors of skin, they're the result of this curse. So let's take them in and let's make them like us. Um, as much as they can be, and they'll be our servants and slaves. And then that same um, understanding helped to as well in our country. Uh, Starting in 1619, the first slaves from Africa were brought to the United States 400 years ago. And that was often taught, particularly in some churches in my homeland in Southern America. Um, But you can see it, that... Served for hundreds and hundreds of years as a way that we, in babel like form, can take our desire to make us good and use God's word in a very in a misinterpretation, upside down way to benefit us instead of glorify God. Um, and you even find today something called the um homogeneous church growth principle It says something like this and, and this is a simplification um, and misuse of it but it's like you know if we get enough people who are homogeneous who are the same then we can form a church that will grow much more easily if we bring together who are heterogeneous who are different in certain ways so homogeneous church growth principle is bring folks together who are like one another and then the church can grow. It sort of sounds like babel, doesn't it? Yeah, that uh, that our focus is on building the big tower instead of glorifying God in the fullness of his plan. All right, so I just, I share that one little deep dive to say, well, well, where, how does race get into the Bible? It gets in there because we bring it. You know, and this misinterpretation is an example of, of that. All right, so now I want to go back, back to the story. So back to the Tower of Babel. God has sent um, everyone out to disperse over the face of the earth. And then we pick up in the middle of chapter 11 with Shem's descendants again. Now remember, Shem's one of the sons of Noah, and we we just heard his descendants in genealogy back at the end of chapter 10, and now he picks it up again. I propose to you, one of the the things that he's doing is that Shem, the name Shem in Hebrew, is the same word, same continents for consonants for the word name. So just as Babylonians were making a Shem for themselves, a name for themselves, I think the, the writer puts Shem and the, the, the genealogy of Shem with those that are trying to make a Shem for themselves and then comes back to here's the genealogy of Shem or name and then he picks up the very end of the genealogy of Shem with the call of Abram. Chapter 12, verse 1. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country, your kindred, your father's house, all those groups, right? The different groups that we form, your country, kindred, father's house, to the land that I will show you, and I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your Shem, your name, great. So that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you. I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. In you, all the little groupings of the word, the word families is the same words translated clans back in chapter um, uh, 10. But I think what he's saying in all the little groups, all the little ways that we form ourselves in Abraham, all those different diverse groups, they will be blessed in him. Wherever you do, wherever you spread to from Noah, God will bring away to bless you all. So again, see, God brings what is good. The table of nations, they spread about. Then the Tower of Babel, we corrupt it. And then God once again says, let me make this right. And he calls Abram to be Abraham, who will be the father of, the, of Israel. And from Israel will be the very blessing and salvation of the world in Jesus Christ. And, uh, We will jump to the end of the story to see that what Jesus does is have bring unity of people of all types and sizes from all different groups. Chapter seven, starting with verse nine. After this, I looked and behold a great multitude of the, of Revelation. Whatever different ways, cultural, racial, ethnic, family, clan differences, subcultures, it doesn't matter, generational differences, um, the economic cultures and ways that we are, are different from one another, what John, the writer of Revelation, shows us is that the way of heaven is that all of those ways are represented and unified. Yeah, so, so get this, that, that heaven isn't color blind, heaven is color varied. Uh, heaven is color populated. Uh, uh, heaven is ethnically diverse and it's clear. It's multicultural. How else would they have known that there were different languages unless they were speaking And How else would they have seen they're from different places by their clothing, by their actions? by the particular ways that they looked according to the the lands they were from. It was obvious and seen and celebrated before the glorious Creator who has made humans in His image to go and make ways of life that are different and varied depending on context and personality and situation. But all for the glory of God. It shows the wondrous beauty, the creative genius of God. So, how does this relate for us today? One, we recognize our tendency to be like Babel. Our, our tendency to, to segregate and, and to divide and to judge other that are different in their groups. Instead of recognize their differences and learn from one another. And how important and significant that is for us because all cultures fall short of the glory of God. But if I'm swimming in a school of fish, you know, they're all swimming in the same direction. I'm going to need another school of fish or somebody, another fish to come along and say, Hey, you know, you're swimming this way. Why don't you try swimming this way? That, that, that might work a little better for you. That might be more in alignment with the ways of God. And I might be able to do the same for them, which is part again what God, What is God's desire? What is good is to make us more and more like Jesus, to learn to obey Him. Which is why we need one another, who are different. I don't need people like me that have the same blind spots. I really don't like people that are different than me that that can see my blind spots. But in terms of what is good, I know that is what is best, and that's the beauty of. The church, when we gather in the midst of our differences, seeking to obey together the way of God. Seeking to make earth like heaven. Which we'll pray in a little bit. Which Jesus taught us to pray. That will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So that the beauty of God's creative genius can be seen in the human endeavors that he has given to us. Amen. Let's pray. Almighty God, we thank you for Jesus, who in His power and might has united us as one in the midst of all of our differences, and we uh, we ask that you would take uh, this word and continue to to form it in us. As your people, as a church, seeking to follow after the ways of Jesus, to be united in Him and only Him. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. We come now to our time in the service where uh, we, do, we celebrate and commune. And if you've never done this with us before, make a couple things clear. First of all, this is not a Presbyterian table, it's not a College Hill table, this is a table of Jesus Christ. So anyone who is following after Jesus Christ is welcome to this table. And uh, the way that we'll be doing it is we come forward, and we'll explain a little bit more later.